Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino back here with the RHAP Rewind. And I'm very excited to be talking about a, another great episode of reality TV. This is something I had not ever been exposed to before. We're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 1 of the Bravo series, Work of Art, colon, The Next Great artist and uh, we are here with a great artist of many mediums including podcasting please welcome back Chappelle Chappelle how are you I'm good Rob I'm excited as usual and I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that you've never heard about this one so I'm I'm ready to get yeah, into it You would think that this would be in my wheelhouse uh 2010 2011 in sort of like uh the early days of Rob has a podcast what else did I have to do but no I was I guess uh not paying attention I this one uh missed me Yeah and uh I I could see why it missed you I'm sure we'll get into it a lot later but this is very much a show that's in the same mold as like your project runways or your top chef uh bravo had found a formula that worked right where we grab a group of people we give them a workstation we give them a task and then we eliminate them at the end of the episode and they've done it six or seven times at this point and this is just one of the ones that have come across our desk and so uh yeah i can see why it gets overlooked but i think it's uh actually a good show to talk about interesting premise uh we'll talk about it here today just uh up front want to mention that if you missed us last week we got to talk about uh season one episode one of beauty and the geek with jenny autumn we had uh so much fun going through that people said they really enjoyed hearing that podcast and so i really feel like that uh i feel like we stumbled onto something here of watching an episode of a show and I know we came into this month saying like, let's find one show to watch the whole thing. But I'm having so much fun bouncing around uh, in time. Yeah, no, I, I get that too. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. And as you know, I, I tweet a little bit. And in my tweets, I've been getting some responses and people are saying, well, try this show, try this show, try this show. Well, Viewers Choices Month is almost over. As a matter of fact, it'll be mm-hmm. over by the time we do this again. And so we don't really have enough time to get into everybody's shows unless we change the format a little bit and maybe just keep jumping around. Let's just keep exploring. We might uh, hit some gold and maybe want to put that, you know, in, in, into the, you know, uh, you know, the upcoming events later on. But right now we're having a good time. Let's just, uh, you know, dabble yeah. in whatever. Keep sending us uh, 
some suggestions and we will keep trying to tackle some of your faves. So you're up for sticking around and we'll just keep watching different shows. It doesn't have to be the first episode. It could be the best episode of a, of a given show. We'll take suggestions. We'll watch a show, an old show, and we'll come on and talk about it. I think that's great. Also, you know, it's really hard to find some of these shows online, you know, yeah. streaming. Like we were like scouring the face of the earth for these shows. And there's some really good ones where people will suggest them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that show only to realize that it's not anywhere streaming. So, yeah, yeah Rob, I'm in for the long haul. If you want to keep hanging out and bouncing I around, do. I'm down. Yeah. And the listeners are nice, but, you know, they, they want to listen to the podcast. But they're also like, hey, like, uh, please don't assign me 12 hours of uh, an old show to watch a month. So, uh, yeah, sure. I can watch an old show. I remember that show. All right. I want to listen to the podcast. So that's what we're going to do. Sounds good. Sounds okay. good. And I think I'm the perfect co-host for this kind of thing because I've seen all these shows. You can imagine, you know, what kind of uh, childhood I had because I had no issue watching any of these. And so I'm happy to kind yeah. of be your tour guide moving forward. Chappelle, how did you come out so well adjusted? And I feel like you've watched more TV than I have. Well, see... When you watch other people's drama, you keep a lot of drama out your own life. Uh, and so I've been able to like keep peace in my life by getting my enjoyment from other people's crap. And so, uh, yeah, find me a re reality TV show that I haven't watched. I dare you. Okay. Because it's pretty well, hard. Let's bring in the man who uh, came up with uh, Work of Art, Season 2, Episode 1, longtime friend of the podcast. And it's funny that I, I am talking about Survivor South Pacific uh, all this week. And I believe that that was the season of Survivor that brought us together. If my memory uh, serves me correctly, please welcome a longtime friend, AJ Mass from ESPN. AJ, how are you? Yeah. Hello, Rob. How are you? It has been a very long time since we've spoken, but I'm excited to be back. It's it's always a pleasure. And Chappelle, I mean, you and I, we we've been talking. We've been on some podcasts. It's all yeah. Good. We're old <laughs> buddies now. I'm so excited that AJ Mass is one of my friends. This is so surreal. And AJ came up with this idea. So AJ, welcome. <laughs> welcome on our journey. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to uh, share my love of work of art yes and <laughs> you two are coming off of uh the walking dead podcast this week yes rob we've been podcasting about your favorite television yes. show your favorite season of television ever actually and uh this week was an epic episode that i'm sure you would have loved mm -hmm. had you watched it i definitely recommend yes okay wow aj they've never lost you on the walking dead no i'm a sucker for all things zombie always have been and uh yeah, I'm just wandering around the apocalypse uh, until the end of time, man. I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, AJ, tell us a little bit about uh, work of art. All right. Well, as Chappelle said, Bravo had a formula. And uh, <laughs> specifically that Magical L's Productions had a formula where they, we get a craft, a trade. We put people who are experts at this craft in a room. We get three judges. We get a mentor and we make TV gold. And with Top Chef and Project Runway, it worked. And so they said, well, let's branch out. Let's find some other profession that we can do this. And art, the field of art just seemed to be a natural fit for this. It's first of all, you know, the, the only thing that, about Top Chef that doesn't really work is that you can't taste the food yourself. So you have to take the judge's word for it, whether or not the, mm -hmm. uh, it looks good, but I, I, I don't know. 
But with Project Runway, and you, you can see the clothes and you can develop an opinion and say, okay, I like it or I don't. And art is very visual. So, of course, it makes sense to put it out there. The artist will create a piece of, of art. The judges will critique it. And like every one of these shows, there'll be some, they'll live in a house together. There'll be some infighting. But really, it's all about the eliminations at the end of each episode. Uh, they tried this in 2010. And it did very well. Uh, it, the, the, the characters that they created, you know, I think artists in general are a little bit more eclectic, eccentric. Uh, it's kind of like if you took the most extreme personalities from every season of Survivor and put them all together on one season of a show. And that's what you get here. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how those quirky personalities all interact with each other. Uh, the first season did very well. They got renewed for a second season. Unfortunately, in between the two seasons, they tried a different show uh, called Platinum Hit. And <laughs> Platinum Hit was, let's do Top Chef, Project Runway, but let's do it with songwriters. Yeah. And they got Jewel and Cara Diaguardi, who was the American Idol judge, to be the judges of that show. And it was awful. The format didn't work. The, basically, the only thing that was good that came out of the show was that Jackie Tone was one of the guests on the show uh, who went on to be an actress in Glow, and she, like, she, she was really talented. She was winning week after week after week, and they, they, just, they basically just decided to eliminate her because they knew that she was going to win and there was no drama left. So they kind of just eliminated her, and it is a great elimination. It's not anywhere. Bravo has purged this show from their website. You cannot find this episode. Wow. But the judges eliminate her. They say, you are the only person on your team who did a good job. We love you. We love what you did. You're eliminated. And you can see her break. And she goes, what is happening? Mm -hmm. I don't know what is happening. But the ratings just bombed. It was a horrible show. And when this show came back and jumped into that time slot, I think a lot of people were just, just not buying in anymore. And it was just like, you know, we like the runway. We like the chef, but we don't like these judges. We don't like these people. We don't like these decisions. Uh, and they never actually canceled this show. The show technically is still out there available for a third season. They just mm -hmm. didn't, didn't film anything. <laughs> AJ, why did you uh, want to watch the season two premiere of this show and not the season one premiere? I think the season two premiere, they went all in on quirky personalities yeah. and the combination of the people and the, the gravitas, the weirdness uh, and all of the of, of the bizarreness just really coalesced. Plus, quite frankly, there is one reality TV personality who is in season two who I cannot get enough of, and that is the Suck Lord. <laughs> yes, uh, there is a character on the show that is named uh, Suck Lord. Is it the Suck Lord or Suck Lord? It is the Suck Lord, as he says in the episode. Hey. Suck Lord, the Suck Lord, his lordship, mm -hmm. whatever you want to do, just make sure you refer to my regalness. Yeah. <laughs> Chappelle, I could relate because I am the Rob that sucks. So uh, it was very impressive to be introduced to the Suck Lord. You are the Rob that Suck Lord. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, whew, the Suck Lord. Where do we start? Um, he, yeah, he is the star of this first episode probably goes on to be the star of the season until if he wins I don't, look spoiler alert I don't remember who wins this season so it could very much be the suck lord show um but I feel like he doesn't win because this guy is a pretty big personality um 
but it almost like he insists upon himself in a way, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, he, he, he gets it. He knows that he's being sarcastic for sarcastic sake. He knows that he's uh, being over the top. Like the suck thing is because he's being self-deprecating and the Lord thing is because he's, you know, dramatic and, you know, grandiose as well. Um, he's, he's, yeah, he's into his own, uh, hype. I wonder where the suck Lord is today, because this could definitely have been the popping off of like a television career for him. Uh, I just don't know if he ever goes on to do anything outside of art or anything bigger. What do you think? Well, I can tell you this is not his first rodeo. He, uh, he, he was on uh, VH1's Can't Get a Date in 2006, an entire episode that follows him around and shows him basically striking out with women, women that he tries to hit, hit on on the street. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was also on an episode of The Dating Game. <laughs> oh. And okay. you, you know, on that VH1 show, he went by his real name, which I don't know if we're okay to say, but he was Morgan on uh, the, what was it? Can't get a date. So uh, yeah, and he's gone from Morgan to the suck Lord. He's reinvented himself. And now we have a full blown artist and the star of work of art season two. Yeah. Okay. Um, the suck Lord. Uh, there, the he, suck Lord. there he is in all his glory. Uh, Chappelle, you watch the show in the real time also? I so there was like there was a bunch of them like I said I watched Top Chef in the real time I watched uh you know like the first six or seven seasons of that I dabbled in some Project Runway definitely watched this one there was like another one that was kind of like interior design I can't remember what it's called maybe like um I don't know flipping out or something like that I don't know something like that not flipping out not don't, flipped don't off send me, no. yeah yeah not flipped off but it was the same kind of concept right like interior design and a workspace oh, so I was dabbling in all of these because once you get the format if you like one of them you like them all I don't know anything about cooking but I once I watch two or three seasons of Top Chef you can't tell me that I don't know how to cook and so it's very much <laughs> like this you know you watch enough of this and buy You're like season spot by, by episode four, you're talking about these deconstructed paintings and, you know, the uh, how contrived her breast, her brush strokes are and all this other stuff, you know, and that just comes from, you know, diving into this, this model that Bravo was doing so well. I don't know anything about clothing design. You can quiz me on, on Project Runway seasons one through five, and I probably could get every qu- uh, question right. I could tell you whose ball gown was better. Be- just, it's just one of those show formats that just works. If it works for you, you can watch them all. And so, yeah, this is something that in the real time, I dabbled in a little bit. Okay. AJ, did you feel like that you learned a lot about art from watching the show? I think I learned a little bit about the process that they go through. Um, and you know, art is so subjective. What I really learned is that the artists uh, have their own style, yeah. their own their own way of doing things, and there's a process. And because of that, you know, creativity, it's hard to like put a time limit on it and say, okay, you have to do this, and here are your restrictions. These are not people who deal well with restrictions yeah. and time limits. So I think in that sense, it is where you get a lot of the drama for it, but were they all presenting their best works? Probably not. Uh, I do think that the reason the show doesn't work is because the the mentor doesn't really help and the judges are really unlikable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like watching this and, you know, I don't know anything about art, but like uh, these people come in and they're just like, no, this sucks. We don't we don't like this. But I don't know that my understanding of art is that if it it may not work for you, but it might work for somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's totally the thing. I mean. I, 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 I enjoy their version of Tim Gunn, uh, their mentor. Oh, I do not. Simon. Mm-hmm. Tim Gunn. He's horrible. Tim Gunn cares. <laughs> Tim Gunn is... But as a, as a TV character, Simon de Plury is... A, Hello, 
I am your mentor, Zemon Dufourie. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. And I just, I, the reason I love this episode is because he has to admit, like, full disclosure, I have previously worked with the Suck Lord and have bought this some of his works. So we have a pre-existing relationship. I hope that is okay with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the security guy saying, I know the Suck Lord. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he name dropped the Suck Lord. Uh, the Suck Lord is a contestant. And, and uh, our new Tim Gunn, uh, not Tim Gunn, Simon, was just like, hey, he was very excited to tell them like, hey, I know y'all are in a competition that's supposed to be unbiased, but I might have purchased some art from this guy already. So, you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah, he is the Suck Lord. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not just the you Suck Peasant. He is the Suck Lord. <laughs> So oh, the he has a cachet. Yes. Uh, if anybody <laughs> wants to go back and watch this episode, this is available on YouTube. If you want to watch a uh, work of art, uh, the next great artist, a- AJ, what do you think of the name work of art? Um, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't stick with the brand and do either project art or pop artist or something like that. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake, especially for, since, you know, they knew what network they were selling it to. They knew, you know, it was part of a family. And I think it did suffer for that. I mean, you, you put a colon in your title on a reality show and it kind of... Yeah. It, 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 too many words to read. Just a, what am I going to watch? Top artist? I got you. I understand. Uh, yeah. You just reminded me. Top design. That was Top it. Design. That was it. Is that <laughs> that what was it. Was. it. Yes. I remember yeah. that show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why did they... Why, yeah, you're right, AJ. Why did they get away from... what top? You got top chef. You got top design. Like, why not? Just like top art. Like Sounds no too much sense. like Pop Tart, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with Pop Tarts? Yeah, people yeah, like Pop Tarts. Yeah, yeah, uh, people yeah. like art. Work of art, just uh, not n- not an exciting name. No, it isn't. But uh, you know, this was also the executive producer of the show, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes, uh, she's you know, and she she appears as a guest judge, and she's always there. Like she's just a p- constant presence throughout the show. Um, you know, I think she just got her own little spin on things. She's, you know, she is, she's carrying it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's being her best carry that she can be. Uh, and just, you know, showing, oh, look, look, at look at the culture I'm bringing to this network. Uh, and I, I, again, I think there was definitely a disconnect. Like, I, I felt like a lot of the artists and they're great names, great, unique personalities. And we can get into them a little bit. But, you know, I, I felt there was a really good cross section of, of real people who are competing. And then there's these unobtainable aloof judges from their ivory tower deigning to come down and pass judgment. And it just, that's the problem of the show. That's what doesn't work. Do you want to highlight some of the interesting contestants in the show? Oh, sure. I mean, obviously we've discussed the suck Lord. The suck Lord is fantastic. Suck Lord is everything that you want from, from, from a reality show character. He's full of himself, but also insecure. Uh, his his shtick is that he likes to uh, deal with uh, toys and like uh, you know he's got all the action figures that he grew up with and he like you know paints them and chops them up and he recreates things and his aesthetic is very uh, comic book shop things that you would find in, in a collectibles kind of kind of shop that that that's his milieu yes as it were <laughs> Chappelle do you have any action figures no. <laughs> uh, growing up i was an action figure guy you know i was a uh, am a bat i'm a batman stan yeah you know? oh okay yeah me and batman go way back and so i used to have all the batman the batman 
if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I would do like a, maybe a Power Rangers, yes. you know, in my in my child childhood, like the heyday of my childhood, I guess I should say. Um, but no, currently I'm not an action figure guy. Rob, do you have any recommendations for an action figure? I, I mean, I don't have any okay. now. Um, but I feel like I, I had like a lot of uh, He-Man action figures mm-hmm. i definitely had like star wars uh stuff but not as many like i always feel like that there were other kids that had like oh here's like the c-3po head that has like the whole like suitcase of all the figures mm-hmm. uh, I, remember that. Uh, I i didn't really have uh that many and i'm trying to think if there was any anything uh Did you have the, a- my brother like had like all of like the uh, ninja turtles Oh, yeah. Yeah. You had to get the whole set. Mm -hmm. I remember not having the whole set of Ninja Turtles and being devastated because Mm -hmm. I was stuck with uh, Raphael. Um, But, you know, he's cool, but rude. He's cool, but rude. You know, but does he do machine? No. Okay, then. So, you know, there are better choices. Um, As far (laughs) as I was concerned, though, like I remember one of my first action figures was a Stretch Armstrong. Do you remember Stretch Armstrong? Yeah. Oh my god! I was determined to see how far those arms could stretch. Not as far as you think, actually. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Stretch Armstrong, uh, <laughs> Chappelle's action figure. Did just say that much? Yeah. AJ, did you have any figures? Um, no, I was more of a baseball cards kind uh... of guy at, at, at that age. Although I did have a, a friend who shares my birthday, who uh, I would go over to his house because he had that giant C-3PO head, and he had every, every single Star every Wars figure. action figure, yeah. the entire thing. So yeah. I, yeah. I do remember that, but uh, yeah, it was not much of the GI Joe or action figures or any of that stuff. Yeah. All right. Besides Suck Lord, uh, who were some of the other standouts here? Um, what was really fascinating is we we have a guy named Leon, and he is deaf, and yes. so he, um, much in the vein of uh, Marley Matlin on The Apprentice, he's got his uh, interpreter with him, and and so you know he doesn't talk, he 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 signs, and you have uh, uh, someone there providing the vocal. Uh, interpretation for those of us who do not know ASL. And I think he's a fascinating individual saying that, you know, he left Malaysia because he couldn't hear and deaf people there are, you know, very second class citizens. And not that it's mm-hmm. not, not that it's a perfect wonderland here, but it's far better in America than uh, over there in Malaysia. And so he's a, he's an interesting personality to get to know. Uh, you've got Dusty. 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 He's, he's a good old boy, but he's, a, <laughs> he's an elementary school art teacher, but his work is very uh he likes to put himself in his work so it's like mm-hmm. it's almost like a a nashville twang on all all of this uh, highfalutin art uh, it's kind of interesting and, he, and he's 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 obsessed with clowns for whatever reason he's obsessed with putting clowns in his art yeah well. i'm not a fan of the clowns um i feel like that's like mascot adjacent aj so i hope that's okay no that's fine uh you uh a- as well as i have coolrophobia the fear of clowns oh okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, dusty phobia. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I am not a fan of clowns at all. I, I'm not a fan of inanimate objects coming to life either. That's that's something that, that's me. Uh, I have that too. Yeah, uh, Teddy Ruxpin was not something I, I was fond of. No. Yeah, yeah. Snuggle <laughs> Bear, please get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dusty. Uh, he like makes uh, like uh, a lot a lot of sculptures out of like uh, like objects like crayons. Uh, that's what he had going on. They bring everybody in to like come see this art installation that has like examples of everybody's work where you could sort of check out what the competition was up to. Chappelle, did you have any uh, standouts from this cast? Oh, yeah. Well, first, I want to call shenanigans on uh, AJ saying that he doesn't like inanimate objects coming to life as if Mr. Met is not a walking, talking baseball. Um, 
Uh, yeah, but I don't have to. I don't have to interact with myself when I'm in the costume. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm the one bringing it to life. I know I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, as far as my favorite, um, just the standouts. I don't want to jump around too much, but I kind of have to talk about Catherine. Catherine, it, she her thing is that she makes visceral tableau and anatomical dissection uh, art, yeah. meaning basically blood and guts and gore. So right up the zombie alley with AJ, he's perfect to be our guest nope. today. Just kind of give his insight into Catherine's art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, she's a piece of work, isn't she? She and like everything is just <laughs> like, it, like doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It could be like uh, today's assignment is to make sunshine and rainbows, and she was like, yes, but the inside of the sunshine and rainbows shows a dark <laughs> perversion. Yeah. <laughs> Full of ichor <laughs> and marrow. <laughs> and like. And, and she's not the darkest one on the show. That's the strangest thing about it. Is she's not the darkest one on the show because we have another uh, artist on the show who has just survived a near-death experience in a horrific car yeah, crash. She's hit by a car. It, Michelle could not walk uh, like a few weeks before the show had started, and she's obsessed with death as a result. And so everything that she does is dark and doom and gloom. And it's, it's just like, wh- why are you on the show? Take a few weeks off. But mm-hmm. no, she's she's using it and trying to get through it. And it's it fascinating to see how obsessed she is with dying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, yeah dark subject matter uh, in work of art. It, I think it's uh, like uh, hard to bring all of these people together and just give them one task to do. Because I don't know if every single thing that they give them uh, fits under one umbrella. Yeah. yeah, especially because they're not all doing painting. Like if, you, if, it's, if it's painting, you'll paint a picture. But we do have, you know, graffiti artists named Twos. We have, uh, you know, someone who is a perform, you know, a couple of performance artists who do like video people who work with videos, Bayete and and Young. Like so, they it, it's so many different styles, and so they can't have an assignment that's like, okay, this week we want you to make a sculpture because that would be unfair. So it has to be something that's a lot more loosely interpreted. I think that's the one part where the show goes downhill because even in this first week, they have issues with this where people are like, well, this is not my style. And I really don't know what to do here because I, I can't do what they're asking me to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have no sympathy for those people, though. So here's why. Because this this format of show does this every time. Right. Like on Project Runway, they're like, OK, we brought in costume designer. We need you to make a form or formal outfit for whatever. And then that person's like, wait a minute, you mean I can't go to Spirit Halloween for my supplies? You know, and then same thing on Top Chef. They're like, create a dish, blah, blah, blah. And then the poor pastry chef is over there sweating bullets because they're like, well, I have to actually have to put something with fire. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, you know, so every every one of these shows has that same issue is that we give you a, a challenge. But if you're not well-rounded, you're going to get knocked off pretty quickly because these other people can do a little bit of everything. So kind of having a specialty doesn't really suit you in a lot of these competitions. And for this show, everyone has a specialty. And so that's what AJ's saying is that like when you say, okay, everyone has a specialty, but this time we're doing this, you leave like five or six people to kind of fail every time. And uh, we kind of see that this time. Uh, uh, I think a few people missed the mark. And that's, and that's, that's totally fair. You're absolutely right. Uh, I just think that for the first episode, and this is where where, where Sucklord shines as well, is because for the very first episode, you kind of want in all of these shows to say, all right, for the first task, do something that tells us who you are. 
do your something that's in, in your style. Exactly. That's what you want from a first episode in any of these shows. And for the task this week, they give them these schlocky pieces of art, this kitsch, this really awful stuff. And they say, we want you to take this stuff and put it in your own personal style and elevate it. And Suck Lord's today, they're going, but this is my style. It's fine as is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do kitsch. So I can't elevate it. It's my style. This is what I do. You're asking me to, you're, you know, he's the only one there who had uh, complete contradictory instructions there. Do something different, but do you. But this is me. Well, you got to do something different, but this is me. And so that, that's where I think just for him, this was unfair. I'm glad they didn't eliminate him mm-hmm. uh, because he was the only one where this particular test, I felt there was some unfairness. Do you feel like that as a concept, it's a flawed idea where that ultimately the contest ends up selecting the most well-rounded artist as opposed to the person who might be the most outstanding artist, but only in their particular specialty? Mm, I don't know about that. So like, like I used uh, Top Chef as an example because, you know, like, like I said, a lot of times the pastry chefs are just screwed. They just don't have a lot of challenges where it's like, you know, make a donut. Uh, so I think one of the one of the things is just being able to get by. You just have to survive mm-hmm. the challenges that you're not great at. Then when you have one that's in your wheelhouse, you have to blow everybody out the water so that next time you don't do so great, they can look back at your last week's you know assignment and say, well, they did kind of, you know, change the game with that. Also, a lot of these people are just looking for exposure at this point. You know, they're trying to win like an art show exhibit and stuff. So if they do one thing that they're really good at really, really well and just another simul comes across it, then that's a win for them. So, yeah, I think it is a flawed design because, you know, like you could be the best at one thing and just never get your shot. You could go home before that challenge even comes up. But this is kind of a moment for you to, you know, uh, display your skills in whatever way that is. And and so we have to, you know, see them using that, you know, tactic almost to to grab what little fame that they can get from these moments. Because, yeah, a lot of them are kind of screwed. Yeah, I think I think definitely you have to play the game. Um, you're, You're not showcasing your skills in a vacuum you're you're playing the game the issue here is you know if you're going on season 27 of top chef or you know or project runway it's like you know you, you even hear the contestants when they first enter into the workrooms on those shows it's like oh you know i can't put this this ingredient in because i know tom hates this ingredient like you mm-hmm. know how to play the judges that way or like oh nina's in, in there and i so i can't do this design you know on, on project runway here not only is it season two, so they probably haven't seen the show. They probably don't know who the judges are or what they're looking for. Even they might have a, a small taste of it um, from the previous season, but also that's again, where we get to the issues of the judges who really are just not consistent at all in their messaging, even from piece to piece. Those, you know, I love it. It really took a chance and they ignored everything we said. And I love it. And then you ignored everything we said. I hate it. You know, like, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, it, it there, there's a lot of problems with the judging on this show. So you really, you, you basically do your work, get your exposure, like Chappelle said, and, and hope that you come out on the other side. And if you get lucky, you win. Yeah. AJ, did they make any changes to the format between season one and season two? No, they really didn't. Uh, they thought they had a hit on their hands. They really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first season did did well for a new show standards. It was not Top Chef standards or Project Runway standards in terms of the ratings. 
but it it did better than they those shows did at their first season. So they thought, okay, let's give it a second season. And, you know, immediately they're like, yeah, this is great. Uh, I think they overestimated the appeal of you know having these particular hosts and judge and mentor as being a draw because as we know today, like you know, Heidi and Tim can, can leave project one way and go and do their own show. And everyone wants to watch that show because it's Heidi and Tim, you know, Mm -hmm. great, you know, Padma and Tom, like fantastic. We know, we know who they are, their personalities in their own right. I don't think people are ever going to be clamoring for China and Jerry. (laughs) Yeah. Not my, not my judges of choice for sure. Um, I also think that this show is, um, these other shows that it's compared to, right. The top chef and the, and the project runway, They've done like 65 seasons of each of them, right? So when you have a show like this that does relatively well, you think the production cost is low. We could probably do this about 15, 16 times, you know, keep something on the air, um, probably sell it to another network eventually. So they probably had high hopes for it just to do just well enough to stay on television. And unfortunately, it didn't. So, you know, you have to wonder why this one fails and the other ones uh, don't. So the task this week was uh, they brought them in a room and they showed them all like a uh, very kitschy art. They call it a uh, thrift store art at times. And they're all looking around and ultimately they tell them they have to pick one of these pictures and then turn it into something in your own style. That's the assignment for this week. Uh, amazingly, Chappelle, I thought that it would have been wild if like two people were fighting for the same thing. Like there was no draft. It was just sort of like supermarket sweep of just run and grab your thing off the wall that you want. Yeah. So the idea is that this kitschy art is so bad that these people are just kind of like, well, I'll just pick whatever and try to make it something that I can work with. Um, and it's crazy because that's their, all the artists come in like, ooh, this is like hotel, you know, wall art or, you know, uh, thrift store art or whatever. Meanwhile, Suck Lord is like, finally, my bag, like, it's mm-hmm. Gandalf, I can do this. So I thought that was pretty interesting too. I didn't have high hopes for him at that point because everyone's saying, ooh, can you imagine having to do art like this? And meanwhile, Suck Lord is like, hi, <laughs> if this is a thrift store, I'm buying. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think there was any fights over it because it all, the general consensus that was that it was all bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah and there were items left over so it, it wasn't even a chance where they're like oh we got how many you know how many people we got 14 people we got 14 items so you know no one wants that last last item no they, they left the room and there were still like three or four paintings hanging on the wall and you know little sad merry-go-round in the corner <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, i guess we're not gonna take those oh. they probably took them out back and left them on the street <laughs> someone to pick up right so they brought them to the studio space and they really didn't give them a lot of time. And like, I, I don't know like uh, how they sort of like have like the resources on hand for what everybody needs. Like AJ, does each artist have like a shopping list of like, here's the kind of stuff that I need to have on hand for what I do. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the other shows where there's like uh, a, some sort of semi-sponsored wall uh, or shopping place. So like, you know, okay. No, if you need paint, we got all the paints over here. Whatever paint you need, you're a painter. Here's your paints. Here's your canvas materials. They're like, oh, you're a sculptor. We got clay. We got all this stuff over here. I'm sure they prepared them for, for those sorts of things. You also have like, you know, video artists uh, and uh, what Young is going to do a performance art piece. Uh, and so he's going to actually just create some sort of paper mache mask. And he's going to stand there and actually interact with the customers as part of his his piece, which is just... It's just bizarre. It, I it thought just, that was the worst one. 
it, basically, yeah, he's standing there with uh, with uh, like cards against humanity cards that he's created, <laughs> and handing them out to people like like uh, you look fat, <laughs> you 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 seem happy, and handing them out while like, but he's like playing like a poker dealer to elevate his like dogs playing poker type style of painting. It's like it, I didn't quite get it at all. Uh, it, it's definitely uh, how do you compare that to someone who actually like paints something, you know, who actually creates some sort of art. That's I, tangible. I think the judges were just as confused as you were because he landed right in the middle of the pack, mm-hmm. right? They were like, I mean, it's art, but it's not bad. It's just, it's art, you know? And mm-hmm. so they were like, I was just throw him in the middle. Now, I, I just wonder how long he could ride the middle like that. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think that, that, you know, you basically have an improv comic <laughs> type skit <laughs> and compare that to uh, someone who's going to uh, sculpt the gravestone. You know, it's like yeah. it's such, such a bizarre uh, thing to compare. I guess, you know, you you can say art. Well, I, I don't know what art is, but I know it when I see it. That's great, but that doesn't lead to the, pers- the person at home identifying with the judges and agreeing with the judges. And I, you know, some of the fun of these shows is arguing with the judges. But when it comes to eliminations of your favorites, you want to make sure that they're leaving for the right reasons and not just because, you know, nobody else got it. Yeah, it was very much what the play on the dog sitting around the table playing poker, right? Yeah. And so uh, I don't know if it was actually a picture of dogs playing poker because that's kind of like right on the nose, but it was definitely like a dog at a table with some type it was like of gambling, two dogs right? Playing poker. Right, exactly. Like not the classic dogs playing, yeah. po- playing poker photo that we all know and love, but this one. Uh, and so, yeah, what he does is he makes himself a dog mask and he also fashions a, ta- a, poker, t- a poker table. I'm guessing he made it from scratch. So that's art, right? Um, and then he stands there and he's a car dealer. And so I guess as the judges come up and the, the random people, the, the art connoisseurs uh, visit his table, he's able to explain, you know, like, I made this from scratch. I made this from scratch. I, this is my interpretation. And that might have been a good plan because if you walked up thinking, what does this guy do? He could probably sell it to you just by talking to you. Uh, he must have so killed like, it. Yeah, it's like your, his art didn't have to be subjective because as long as he could just tell you about it, you're like, Okay, he is dressed like a dog, so he didn't miss the mark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, who is this person that comes in and then starts telling everybody what they're doing is bad? Simon. That's Simon. That is, okay. That is Simon de Paris. He is the mentor. He is actually, he is an auctioneer. Mm-hmm. He, he's like one of those Sotheby type auctioneers who's very involved in the art scene in terms of like, okay, for this piece, we're going to uh, opening bid of $25,000. Uh, do I sell a bid over here, a bid over there, a bid over there, a bid over here? So that, that's, the, that's who he is. 
Uh, and uh, I, so he recognizes good art, but he's not like a teacher of art. Right. He's basically, you know, a lot, a lot of people are like, I'm a little concerned about you. I don't, you don't seem to have an idea and I don't know what you're doing. And so I'm a little worried about you. Yeah. All right, I'm moving on. <laughs> Chappelle, how was anything he said helpful? Like you're already, it's not like, well, like uh, he doesn't like it. So I better throw it out now and start over. Right. You have to want, like, you have to like look at him as the mentor, but this is just knockoff Tim Gunn, right? So he gets to come in and give you his point of view, but these are professional artists. So technically they're, they're the ones, they're the experts. Um, he is a connoisseur in his own right, but he is not an artist. And so they can't really just go based off what he says. And you see that in the other shows as well. We will see moments in Project Runway where Tim Gunn comes in. And he's like, I don't know, you know, and they're all like, oh, gosh, Tim doesn't like it. But the really good like designers are the ones who say Tim doesn't like it, but I like it and I know what I'm doing. And then they bang it out and it's great. Uh, so it's kind of like this person is not he's almost like a red herring. Like you can listen to them and take what they have as criticism. But ultimately, you have to know best uh, or what the judges will like. Um, but a lot of times these mentors are just that they're trying to assist you. And so I don't know if they come in and they actually eyeball it and say, I don't really like that. Or if they kind of have been watching, you know, the footage and they're like, OK, this person's struggling. Let me go tell them that they're struggling yeah. for the for the camera. You know, but, so, but of course, yeah. of course, there's a difference, you know, with Tim Gunn who can, you know, see, OK, you, this task is evening gown. I'm looking at this. You know, this doesn't look like an evening gown. And this arm is, did you intend for this to be asymmetrical? Okay, you intended to? Cool. I just want to make sure, like, I'm just noticing some things. Whereas, you know, Simone is like going, I see you uh, ripping pieces of paper off and putting them on the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have a plan? I don't see the plan. (laughs) Well, I don't don't really have a plan yet. Well, you should come up with a plan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) What is he critiquing if, if, if even the artist doesn't know what they're doing just yet? Yeah, Tim Gunn is probably more helpful, for sure. This is no way for an artist to work, that you have to let the artist complete the project and then share the art, and then the people on Twitter get to tell you that it sucks. <laughs> yes, work of art, like if the, in the reboot, since they never canceled the show, the next one will probably have an audience vote or something like that. Twitter polls week to week where people like get to talk about the art. And with art being so subjective, there will literally be an argument every week. Because no one's going to agree. Somebody is at home yelling about the Suck Lord's uh, action figure, Gandalf, and saying, like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I love it. You know? Yeah. And uh, you could disagree if you want to, but they are entitled to their opinion. And so, yeah, I don't Absolutely. know if this show works in 2021, but it definitely would be a conversation starter, if nothing else. To have that painting? To have the diorama <laughs> of Gandalf? No, just oh. to have these people arguing over their art. I don't want that. I look, the Suck Lord, we get it. But no, that w- I would have been fine with losing. You know, it's, I said the Suck Lord is the star of this the show. But when I saw that, I was like, what? It's fine. Kid. Yeah. It, it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get much worse. He was almost out the door. So uh, not to spoil the podcast for people, but the Suck Lord did not do great this week. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, f- future, future uh, episodes, the tasks get a little bit more uh eclectic and so you know when when you know you're asking him to you know a few episodes down the line to create a piece of pop art well of course he he's much better at doing that you know when in episode two when the they're tasked with making some sort of visual display based on parkour that they themselves also have to do it's like what the heck is this (laughs) right 
Like this is not a practical skill. Like, okay, you know, no good artist is is anything without their brushes and their parkour. You know, like that doesn't play into any like this is not going to make them a better artist by the time they win their big, you know, um their big grand prize of this art art display and what the uh Brooklyn Museum. Like are they going to have to run and jump off a wall and do a cartwheel before they can present it? No. Right. So why do we have that as a challenge? They're trying to be different. I mean, there there are some inspired challenges in this season as well. I, you know, they they get a, a piece of pieces of art drawn by ch- students and children, and they have to like kind of take that and make mm-hmm. it more grown up. Like I thought that was a, that's a great challenge. I like that. that that's it's right fun. up Dusty's alley. But yeah, they have they have to they get uh, a whole bunch of newspaper headlines, and they have to take put pick a headline and do a piece based on that headline. Again, I like when like it's open ended on what they do. Here's where you get your inspiration. I think those challenges really work. The problem is they also, because this is one of those Top Chef Project Runway shows, they're going to be team challenges. And I don't think artists, especially ones with different you know, genres, like I'm a photographer, I'm a performance artist. Um, well, I'm going to take pictures. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to perform mm-hmm. taking pictures. Like it, <laughs> it's, it's a lot harder there. And in fact, most of, the, uh, most of the eliminations during the team rounds, you kind of go, yeah, if they had worked by themselves, they probably would have survived, but that's part of the show. In fact, that's when we lose a certain someone that we've been talking about. Oh, no. <laughs> Suck Not Lord. Dusty. I'm kidding. No, no, so, yeah, Suck Lord goes on a team challenge, which is, you know, like, uh, all right, I guess. <laughs> exactly. You know, and uh, he probably teamed up with the people who are at least like him, right? Like, you feel like the Suck Lord who's like, I like Gandalf and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Pairing you up with like Michelle this week. It's like Michelle, the one who's obsessed with death. Like, I don't think the Sucklor wants that. It's like, well, guess what? You deal with it. And then he's the victim of this horrible, horrible challenge. So, you know, that's how it goes on these shows. We've Absolutely. seen we've seen so many people taken out by team challenges in these in this format of the show. Like, that's the kiss of death for a lot of uh good designers and probably a uh, good uh, you know, chefs. And now we see good artists. So they ultimately uh, go from the studio, they wrap up on night one, and uh, they go to the penthouse where they have to live together. So I don't watch a lot of shows like this where like, I'm not a Project Runway or Top Chef or so. I don't watch a lot of shows where people are sort of like uh, being judged for doing something creative. Do they often all live together in the house? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a way where they can try and and get some artificial uh, artificial conflict. I think they don't focus on the conflict there, but if two people have like butted heads in the workroom, then they'll certainly make sure to isolate them in, 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 the, in the apartment and have them discuss, you know, I didn't really like what you did today, so they can yeah. get more footage of them fighting and kind of instigate it. I mean, mostly, though, I think it's a chance to humanize them because when they're not working and they're just sitting there and talking, they can say, oh, wow, that work today was tough. By the way, did you know that I'm an orphan? <laughs> you know, we, get, yeah. we get the, the up-close-and-personal backstory kind of thing, and, you know, cut to footage of their uh, submission video where we can see, you know, oh, here's, here's, here's him with his daughter, or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the hook is for the emotional tie-in. You can get that footage by getting to interact with each other outside of the competition. But do you ever yeah. get sort of like the living together drama of like, oh, I can't believe Suck Lord used all the peanut butter in the refrigerator or uh, this person, uh, you know, they were they cut me in line for the bathroom. Does that stuff ever come up on these shows? Very rarely. There was an infamous incident in one of these early seasons of Top Chef. Oh, my where- God. First of all, devastating moment. It was 
It changes the game, Rob. This the, look, AJ's right. The home segment, it does what needs to be done, especially in Top Chef. The moment I used to talk about it is iconic. Yes. Go on. Oh, AJ. Well, well, uh, let's just say that it was, what, it was, was it Final Four or the Final Five at that point? Final, final uh, five? Yeah, I think it was Final Five. Right. And then, you know, Marcel was a little bit of a, a, a guy who was like a little snot nosed punk young kid, and nobody really liked him. And so they, Couple of them thought it'd be kind of funny if they kind of forced him to get a haircut. <laughs> what do you mean they yeah. forced him to get a haircut? They assaulted that man and, sh- and, sh- and cut his, his head. head. Yeah, shaved his head. They shaved his head. The one they, of they the kind four of held him down. Yeah, with the, the buzz clippers and zzz, against his will. Shit. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. He he. Look, Marcel. When you see Marcel, you'll know he's probably into his hair at the beginning. Uh, but the people will now it was kind of a it was a little bit of bullying I, he's kind of a he gives you some pompous vibes yeah. so I think he I, you know from their point of view he was asking for it but you know you'd never do something like that to somebody and one of the front runners of the competition was punished because of it um, so yeah it does what do you play mean he's a punished? well I mean you assault somebody you gotta go bye bye oh, he kicked, got kicked off the yeah. show got the boot yes okay probably would have yeah. won yeah. <laughs> Same, uh, so yeah, that happens in Top Chef. Uh, in America's Next Top Model, they have a moment where someone eats somebody's granola bars and pours out some Red Bulls. It's a very, very like the people listening are like, yes, because that's an iconic moment. Uh, so yeah, this stuff comes up every now and then. So you kind of have to show it. But I think a lot of the show is also hoping for the normal TV trash dramas too, right? Like, like even this time, they're like, oh look. We have uh, Toos is uh, sharing a room with uh, Young, and Young is gay. Like, oh, I've never shared a room with a young, like a gay man before. Like, ooh, la di da. And Young is like, I'm gay. Does he know that? Is it going to affect anything? And normally it doesn't. But you know, mm-hmm. it's reality TV, right? It's bringing two people from different walks of life and forcing them to live together and seeing how they interact. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, the home life has to be shown, even if it's just a little bit. But it's a staple in these kind of shows for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we didn't get too much going on in uh, the home life. Uh, soon enough, yeah, it was time to go <laughs> back. Uh, Michelle, who I don't know if we've uh, talked uh, too much about Michelle. She's the death girl. Oh, that, she's oh, that, the, okay. she likes death. Yeah, she's the death girl. All right, yeah. well, look, she Not says... death, but death. Death, yeah. <laughs> death. She mm-hmm. says she hasn't been this nervous since she got tested for STDs. Again, probably tested for no apparent reason because she's obsessed with germs mm-hmm. <laughs> and dying and DK. I, 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 you know, you're just waiting for her to like team up with Catherine, who's all about the innards. <laughs> yeah. That would then be an unbeatable duo, right? Power duo, right, for sure. Like that's the group you want to be a part of because you know, like, I don't really have to do much here because they're gonna blood and guts and viscera this all the way up into the end. So yeah, that's that's probably like the most compatible pair i guess on the show uh as far as their art goes but yeah we get a little bit of michelle worried about stds i'm like aj said i'm pretty sure she was looking for a reason to die she just kind of was like always like trying to incorporate death into her life so that's probably why i was like uh-huh, am i sick no you're fine okay well dang i was really mm-hmm. nervous about that Sorry. so what are you going to do with this piece well i'm gonna turn this into a headstone mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what she does. Yeah. Spoiler alert, she's going to yeah. be the the winner of uh, round one. They love what she did. I'm she telling did you. I'm yeah. telling you, these judges like, yeah. like things. Um, <laughs> all right. So we get to the, we get to the gallery, and uh, everybody is, uh, puts out their stuff, and then we meet the, the rest of the, the judging panel. AJ, could you talk us through uh, who the rest of these people are? Sure, sure. Well, the, the kind of host, the Heidi 
Klum, the, the Padma of, of it all, is China Chow. Uh, she, yeah, she's you know, a, a model, an actress. Um, I don't really know if she has a huge connection with the art world per se, but I mean, she she's a celebrity, you know, kind of yeah. person. I mean, uh, she her her family was into, into restaurants. Uh, an opera singing. Her uncle is David Byrne. Uh, okay. She has she has dated uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yes. She's currently, I believe, in a relationship with Billy Idol. I mean, you know, she's Ooh. she's a, she's out there in the celebrity world. So you know, she's giving you the yeah, she's giving you that, that that kind of glitz and glamour kind of thing going on there. Um, and I think she does a fine job. Uh, quite frankly, she, I, I don't really find her uh, offensive in any way. I think she she handles the job done. Jerry Saltz is just basically your generic old Neil Simon looking white guy who is like an art critic. So he doesn't do, he criticizes and mm-hmm. I'm always worried about people like that. Uh, you know, sure. He, he's got an art education an art background, but I don't think he, uh, I think he thinks he's the Simon Cowell of it all. And the problem is that Bill, the other judge thinks he's the Simon Cowell of it all. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. they try and Simon Cowell off with each other. And it just it just results in the two of them like bickering while, you know, the rest of the rest of the, the either the guest judge or, uh, you know, just kind of like, well, I, I guess you're right. I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just weird. So, you know, and, and then, then you have a, a salon owner, uh, Jean, who, who's like she's, she, she's she's in the world. She, she, you know, she knows what sells. She's looking for sellable art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we also have uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is here to uh, check out what's going on on her. Uh, she is the executive producer here of Work of Art. It's her show. And sometimes she comes in and she actually judges the competition. But most of the time, she's just basically there. She always has to be there to, to see the show and be seen at the show. And, uh, you know, she's, she, she interacts with the artists and, and, and does her thing. But. You know, most of the time she's a non-factor in terms of who goes home and whatnot. But mm-hmm. she's the executive producer. I'm sure if you walked up to her and said, you know, I really hated you on that television show, I'm sure you'd be the next Wouldn't one. Wouldn't go well. Yeah. She felt, <laughs> where do you have Sarah Jessica Parker on your three name rankings? She's in the top 10. I just don't know where in the top 10. But uh, definitively higher than Neil Patrick Harris, for sure. Um, <gasps> very talented individual he is. But Neil Patrick Harris is at the bottom, in the bottom tier of my uh, three person name rankings. But SJP? She's made a solid, uh, a solid uh, showing, you know, for herself to be in the in the upper echelon of these these people. Uh, look no further than this show. It's not a great show, but this is literally the product of her sitting at home with all her money, going, "I could do that," you know, like looking at Top Chef and saying, "Why don't we do this for something I like?" And mm-hmm. then she calls it up because she knows you know she knows somebody, so she calls them up and says, "I got a ton of money." Can we do this? And they say, yeah. She's like, good. I want to come every week. I want to be a judge. I want to be involved, blah, blah. This is her baby. And so, yeah. Does Neil Patrick Harris have a top chef? No. Does he have a, a work of art? No. So, yeah. That is a deduction in his three-name three person ranking, for sure. Okay. All right. Oh, also, but yeah. I will say this about the judges. Um, I'm... C- that, look, they're all kind of curmudgeon-y, uh, including, uh, especially the Bill, Jerry, both uh, vying for, um, you know, Simon Cow- the Simon Cowell spot, as AJ said. But for me, give me Jerry. Jerry won a Pulitzer for criticism. He is literally awarded the highest award in the land for talking crap about people, you know, maybe <laughs> constructive or maybe just talking. Mm-hmm. But look, he has the, like, the, the credential. 
to to be talking about these people, even if he doesn't know anything about art, which he does. Um, he still ha- he is heavily lauded in the in the uh, field of talking about people. And so, yeah, give me Jerry. I don't know who called Bill for this, but Bill, sit down. We already have a Simon. We don't need you. So, all right, everybody's going to come in and start to look at all of the uh, different exhibits. AJ, uh, what were some of the standouts from uh, the the gallery showing? Uh, you know, I I think uh, I certainly did not. I didn't like Dusty's clown again because it was a clown. Although mm-hmm. I, I think he did a great job of elevating it. Absolutely, uh, just not not my cup of tea. I think you had you had a really weird uh, sculpture with. Uh, he put like all these like rolls of clay on top of the sculpture and kind of buried it until he so it kind of looked like a, a shaggy dog slash mop thing, but it was kind of cool. I just couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I mean, that, that it was kind of cool. Uh, I, you know, Catherine and her innards painting where she basically, <laughs> she took the old piece of painting that she had and she tore it up into shreds. And then dipped it in like blood, blood and guts, and said, "Yeah, I just I recreated it into the inside of the body." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she took a picture of it, so it was more than just creating it. It became instead of like a sculpture or whatever, it was a photo of a sculpture. I, look, her mind is so powerful. Yeah, um, she, she did what she, she did. That's the key, AJ. Remember, you do what you do well. And then you just try to shoehorn it into every challenge. And so she was like, I can do innards all the time. Let me take a photo of it. And now it's an innard picture. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, those, those are the ones that, that stood out for me for being, being interesting. I mean, certainly we can get into the top and the bottoms. Yeah. You know, the, the, the bottoms certainly were bottoms. Well, two of them were bottoms for reasons. I'm not quite sure about the third one, but I mean, the suck lord is in the bottom because you know, he didn't really change it all that much. He basically took an action figure and yeah. made it an action figure. <laughs> so is yeah. this the format for the other judging shows where we have what, uh, 14 people and they basically release the entire group except for six. And then you have the three top and the three bottom. Is that that's customary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For this, for this company's shows, especially, I don't like customary. it, but, but even RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, it does that. We have the three tops and three bottoms, and everyone else is safe. You go back, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Just like uh, I don't know what to do with the people. Like I feel like that we, they should highlight the the three people who are the best in front of everybody. Why? Why do the people who are the best have to sweat it out with the people on the bottom? Yeah. So uh, on Project Runway, for instance, they're all standing there, and then they'll say, "Okay, well." Send the people, the meh people away, and then let's just highlight the, the the upper echelon people in front of the the lower people, right? So it's like you still get your critique, you just get it in front of the people who are having the worst day of their life, you know, the ones mm-hmm. who are about to go home. Yeah. So yeah, you still get highlighted. It's just the people in the middle don't really get to see it, yeah. but the people at the bottom definitely get to marvel at your genius while they you know clutch their pearls and wait for you know sudden elimination. Because I feel like there's no that. drama in like uh, if the people are good, you know they're good. They're not in the bottom. Like uh, give them their flowers in front of everybody. Why do you got to let uh, half the people go so then well, uh, they the, don't get the to reason, see? The reason is Rob because every so often you do get that golden moment when there are four people standing out of the six who think they're in the top. Mm. <laughs> yes, and That's they go to, for, Rob. and okay. they start to go down the line like you're good. Oh, you're not very good. You're good. You're not very good. And there's like, yeah, and I'm good, and I'm good, and you're not very good. And like, they, you know, they're, they're yeah, they get crestfallen. Okay. And like that's that's when the gold comes. You also most of these shows will have the 
uh, people who are safe go back and discuss who they think are the tops and the bottoms. Yeah. And that, that word gets back to people. Mm. <laughs> they yeah. They were in the bottom, but they were in the top. And like, you know, you know, uh, Young was saying that you should have been in, in the bottom, Michelle. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know so you, you do get some conflict that, that is generated out of that. Um, you didn't see a lot of that this week in this show, but it, it, it can make for some interesting, especially if someone is freaking out because they're like, it's week six and they've been safe, 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 safe. And they're like, I don't know what to do to get into the top. These, these ju- I haven't heard any feedback from these judges. And there's usually a good freak out that comes from that. Yeah. And I don't think that's by design. I think it just happened to come from the format of, you know, we're separating y'all into three groups. The pur- the middle group, the purgatory group, they hate being in that group because although you would think just sliding by every week would be good for you, you want criticism at some point. So you'll know, am I doing good enough to win the game? But also every round on the good shows will have a prize for someone who wins that week. This week, they were just like, you're safe. But mm-hmm. um, on most shows, they're like, okay, you know, even RuPaul's Drag Race, like, we gave you $5,000 this week because you won the challenge. Like, okay, cool. You know, but this particular show, they were like, nope, you're safe. Congratulations. She, she does get immunity later. next week. So she can, she can screw up as much as she wants. She can't go home. So at least yeah. there's a small something, but you are correct. Yeah, give, me, yeah. give me the cash. Yeah. yeah. They try to in- incentivize people from getting out of the, from getting out of the middle. So yeah, it's kind of like these three layers are there for a reason. Um, but I, I, I kind of agree with Rob in a way that, I, yeah, I would have liked to hear some of the other critiques because we we don't we're not artists, so we don't know what yeah. landed you. I don't know what's like, good. Yeah, for sure. And uh, who was it? Uh, oh, it was Lola, um, Lola and Jasmine, right? So Jasmine tells Lola, like, you look like a sex kitten, and I want to draw you, you know. <laughs> and so she does, and she like, you look like I think she said you look like a sex kitten who would steal a bird. Um, yes, and exactly. so she painted her. That was her subject for the week. And I was like, well, I want to know what they thought about that. We got nothing. Mm-hmm. We got safe. So, yeah, yeah, we got safe. She's safe. Yeah. That's all we got. So, you know, we'll never know if, if she was, you know, if that was a good thing. Should she do it again next week? Um, so, you know, she doesn't get any criticism, so she doesn't know where to improve. You, you do get a, you know, a tiny bit, certainly not enough, to your point, absolutely. But they do at least show the judges walking around and looking at each piece. So, you know, they say a few things about each piece, but yeah, generally speaking, you don't get like, what is it that I thought that was the worst? Like what they didn't really say that they liked it. Hmm, and they moved along, you know, so, <laughs> but then again, if your reaction is, hmm, then you're probably safe and not, you know, it's not like, Oh my God, this is horrific. You're not in the bottom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. So we talked about, uh, Michelle and what she did. Uh, she was the winner this week. Uh, do either of you have any other thoughts on Michelle and uh, that she basically like made like a gravestone for an eagle? You know what? Uh, I don't want to be like the judge. I didn't think it was that great. You know what? Yeah, that I'm I'm like one of the judges now. It was fine. Oh, no, nah, I'm the opposite, Rob. I loved completely it? disagree with you. I didn't love it. But when they started to describe it, uh, that that she so she for the people who haven't watched, she did. She took an eagle totem and she turned it into like a tombstone. But she also created a skeleton to be at the foot of the tombstone because she's obsessed with death. And so, but she created the skeleton out of paper. So it is literally a paper sculpture, which I didn't know was a thing. I thought that was mache. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but this is a paper sculpture that she basically made a skeleton out of to go with the tombstone. So I thought, you know, if your original thing is just this, you know, Eagle shaped totem, then yeah, this, this was pretty cool. And it incorporated what she's passionate about, which is dying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does anybody want this though? 
Anybody want to go have this at their house? No. That's my criteria. Do I want to hang this up? But, you know, if you lived in the in the southwest of the United States, you know, maybe you put it in your backyard or, you know, put it on your porch or something. I, you know, maybe not inside the house, but certainly it could be a conversation piece. Outside. Yeah, like, Rob, do you know you have a carcass uh, sitting on you? <laughs> no, that's my art. As, um, as someone who lives in the southwest. Yeah, this is a thing that we do here. Uh, you walk into a restaurant and there's a caribou staring at you over your meal. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't sit down good at the table that's because you have to taxidermy. Like, yeah, it's still the same. It's still mm-hmm. a big dead animal just like laying around and we just step over. It's like, it's art. Like, is mm-hmm. it? Is it? So yeah, no, in the Southwest, people are eating this up. There's somebody in Arizona who saw this episode and was like, get that woman on the phone. I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's Arizona. So yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd have to disagree with you there, Rob. Wasn't my favorite. Okay. You know, I, you know, I mean, look, I, did, I didn't need to hear any criticism of, of uh, Tuz's uh, electrified frogs. I thought that was stupid. Frank I didn't, frog. I didn't particularly care for it, but at, yeah. again, at least, you know, you're looking at a graffiti artist who tried to do something with electronics and stuff. So I was like, you know, kudos for the effort. Mm-hmm. Week one, sure, safe. Uh, you know, I, I think definitely the person who ends up going home uh, was well-deserved. Okay, and, and yet it was because of his mistake in staging, as it were. Like, did we get into the Hugo? I think, I think. I well, think, could you set that up for people that didn't sure. watch the episode? So, Hugo. <laughs> we haven't talked is, about him yet. Yeah, Hugo is French, and uh, he hits on all the ladies, and he, he, he admits he knows he's a walking stereotype. <laughs> so, <all he> said, <laughs> and the French guy was just walking around hitting on the ladies. But his style is to freehand draw these curves and lines in, in patterns, uh, which looks exactly like Keith Haring's work. You know, Keith Haring, who was very famous for mostly a, a lot of the, the AIDS awareness posters mm-hmm. during the, the height of the AIDS uh, epidemic in the 80s and 90s. And like, it, it doesn't look like anything that he's created. It looks like Keith, he's doing a Keith Haring knockoff. And they tell him this, like, you know, what you do kind of looks like that. It's like, oh, I don't care. This is who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he produces this bizarre line drawing and he says like yes and i'm I'm hiding secret messages and codes in the lines and the shapes and everything we never see an explanation of that even even at the very end he says i've even hidden your name in here china he says that to everybody he, i bet yeah, he's, he's, he's like it'll take you five hours to find it. people but, will just give but, up but he doesn't show it to her yeah um but he he puts it up there and he puts it in front of this red backdrop and with like with uh, so it kind of looks like one of those old games where you try to get the marble around the maze and mm-hmm. yes. let it fall in. That's kind of what it looks like because it's like this plexiglass grid with this bizarre maze-like pattern and it looks like it could drop into the red box. And you know, the judges are like, A, this is derivative and B, I don't know what it is. Like, it, what did you make here? It, it looks horrible. And then he says, you know, yeah, I was thinking about, I, I thought about not using the red thing. And he takes out the red thing after he's eliminated and there's a gasp from the judges because like, now oh, this is a lot better. <laughs> now you see the light hit hit the shadows and it casts a shadow on the wall and that's where the interesting thing is the 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 shadows it casts are not what you'd expect from that pattern and he's like they're like well why didn't you do that in the first place and you know two of the judges were like well I wouldn't help but but two of the judges were like well, I think it kind of might have Mm-hmm. My guy Jerry, he's look, he's the king of criticism. He said, look, Simon Cowell doesn't get does, he doesn't have the the pedigree that I have. Yes, you could have taken that red backdrop off, but I still would have hated it. Goodbye. 
Mm-hmm. And you, what is the, what's the what's the tagline for this one? Is it the work of art didn't work for us? That's <laughs> kind of clever. I kind of wonder if they had the tagline first and then they named the show after the tagline. It's possible. Because, yeah, because the work of art didn't work for us. That's not bad. I mean, you I just wouldn't have called the show the work of art. You can't pack your brushes and go because some of them don't use brushes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. pack your brushes and go. Uh, uh, my, I did. Ha- I did have a problem, and I don't think it landed very well. Was the criticism of Bayete and yeah. his work? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you do. And and trust me, I, I think I share many of those thoughts. I mean, Bayete is he took this piece of Southern plantation white woman and kind of wanted to play with race, and he took the hair. It, her hair is kind of out, and so he changed the hair to to very black woman's hair and he made a black woman's face there and it kind of but he kept the white woman there in the background and what he's doing is kind of juxtaposing what race looks like especially mm-hmm. in that time and of that era uh and he's making a commentary on that and i thought that's fairly unfortunately in this country it's always <laughs> current and timely uh and but i, I appreciate his point of view on yeah. it and what did and, they tell this man? I mean, the white guys told the black guy that this was predictable and yeah. had no meaning. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> it was it was interesting. I didn't love Bayate's painting or whatever, but I think when you get to arguing about that, like the thought process behind it, he says, like, you know, this is a conversation that we were, that I wanted to start about race, right? And they say, like, well, just because the conversation is complex don't mean you get to make this simple and not complex. Like, you have to also step up to the plate, which is a valid criticism if you actually wanted to listen to what the man was trying to say. Um, so if you said, I don't like this, uh, based off of how it looks, that's fine. Yeah. But when you tell this man that his concept of what he's trying to portray via race is not, like, valid because you've heard it before, um, you know, it that does that falls on deaf ears for me because yeah, you hear it before because it's always relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were saying it wasn't interesting enough. Well, I don't care if it's interesting because this is man's life. He gets to wake up and know that racism exists and that it impacts his every day. And so, if that's what he said, this is about. Then yeah, you don't get to call that that concept boring. You have to say I didn't like this yeah. and I cannot like it for whatever reason because I personally didn't like it either. But the concept. No, it's always a valid topic. If he wants to talk about race tomorrow at the supermarket, he can because he probably got looked at crazy when he walked through the door or there were years ago where he couldn't use the front door at the supermarket. So no, Jerry, uh, Pulitzer for criticism. You don't get to criticize that. Sorry. Yeah. She felt they had the audacity to tell this man like, well, what are you trying to tell me that I don't already know? (laughs) Right. It's like, well, if I didn't have to look, look, I shouldn't have to explain to you why this isn't going to play well on television, but obviously I do. Right. So no, they, it was, it was very like, uh, like off their high horse kind of looking down their noses at like, I mean, it's race, but it's just race. Like, mm-hmm. no, you get to say that cause you're white. Mm-hmm. It's just race for you. It's not just race for Bayete. Um, but I didn't love it either. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I didn't love it, but there, like you said, the, the criticism that they chose to level against it was like, dudes like seriously uh i think you dropped something there yeah that's your privilege why don't you pick that back up and stick it in your back pocket because it, yeah. it, it just it rang wrong then it rings really it rings really wrong now <laughs> it just it just right. no no and no and he tried to explain it too that he was like uh that you know well i think it's you know worth uh 
uh, bringing up again. You know, uh, uh, come on. Is it? We got it. We got it. We got it. Come on. We talk about that too much in 2011. It's very, I mean, it's very simple to say, look, it's, it's a little busy. That's a valid criticism. It's a little busy, you, you know, which kind of funny because then basically they'd be saying you're, you didn't use enough white space. in your work. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, like, OK, it's a little busy. I, I don't really like what you did with it. But I, I liked the concept of it. And it certainly did not deserve the that particular criticism. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, again, these judges consistently disappoint me in that regard. Yeah, I, I appreciated the thought process. But I will say this, uh, Bayete. Why did you call this Scarlet in a post-race era, a, post, a post-racial era? Bayete, shut up. No, there's no such thing as that. Sorry. So it's kind of like, yeah, from that point of view, you kind of feeding into this same thing that they're giving you, which is why are we having this conversation again? What you should be saying is post-racial and big quotation marks, because guess what? It's never going to go away. It's always going to be post-racial. It's always going to be racial for us. So no, he doesn't get that like, Toe the line on that one. So I would have called him out on something like that. But, you know, at least that way he can know how to package something like this a little bit better. But just to tell him, like, no, this is just a tired conversation. That doesn't that doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Suck Lord in the bottom three uh, that nobody liked his work except for uh, the other guest judge, uh, Mary Ellen Mark. I think that uh, but for the grace of Mary Ellen Mark, uh, Suck Lord seemed like that he was in big trouble here. He, he did. But, you know. I have to say his tactic, I think he knew he was in trouble and his tactic was, I'm going to make good TV and hopefully that'll save me. And I think it probably weighed into it because he's like, I, I agree. This is horrible. This is absolutely horrible. It's, it's the worst thing I've ever done. It's absolutely horrible. But you, you keep me here and I'll make something even more horrible yeah. next week. You know, <laughs> He's very antagonistic and he's talking back and I'm just like, there you go. That's how you save yourself on one of these shows in week one. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. be interesting. If your work stinks, be interesting. He should have leaned into it more. He's like, yeah, it sucks. That's what I do. I'm suck lord. Okay? That's my superpower. Yeah. They would have, they would have, they would have appreciated that. You know? Ah, I get it. Suck lord. From an artist, you always want authenticity, right? And so, yeah, for him to say like, you know, because he's a lot of shtick, right? He's a lot of like, oh, I suck, but I'm, I'm a lord too. Like, call me by my whole name. It's like a tribe call quest. You have to say the whole thing. (laughs) You know, like, the suck lord. Um, but yeah, for him to kind of let his guard down and say, you know what? It does suck. I'm the suck lord, but this is actually pretty bad. You know, that's probably, they probably actually appreciate that a little bit. I think, but yeah, if it wasn't for guest judge uh, Mary Ellen, who, of course, would have uh, probably not cared about him had the producers not said, well, he's giving us the most right now. You know, that probably saved, uh, was his saving grace because ultimately it was still just a Gandalf action figure that he made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. He you know, he, he basically he lost the moment he picked that. To be honest, yeah. yeah. And he could he couldn't not pick it either. It was like right. dropping a survivor buff in front of Rob and saying like, "What does this mean to you?" But I was like, "Well, I have experience with that. You mm-hmm. know, like, I might know I might know a guy who likes that." It was very much the same thing. It was the suck lord, like, "Hey, look, it's the Lord of the Rings," and his heart just like jumps out of his body. Suck lord like, of the Rings. <laughs> right. Yeah, the suck lord of the Rings. Right. Mm-hmm. He uh his like his you know he, you see like. He, him and Gandalf lock eyes, and it's just like two stra- star-crossed lovers. Yeah, it was the like yeah they planted that for the Suck Lord. They knew a hundred percent he was going to that, and he was just going to grab it and hold it tight. So, Suck Lord, uh, you shall not pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he didn't have a choice but to pick that one. You know, throw him a bone. Throw him a bone. 
<laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Hugo is it Hugo? Is it? Am I saying it right? Hugo. 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 Uh, yeah. Hugo. Did he have like a little bit of a, like a showmance with somebody? It seemed like there, there was like some sort of like interstitial like bumper in one of the commercial breaks that showed him kind of like uh, flirting with somebody, but I didn't catch who it was. No, it, yeah, it, it was it was all of them. Like he was just he was just flirty, and like he was like that was that was the point of the of the interstitial. It was just like like uh, you know I'm here to focus on my art, and uh, you know, and I'm hitting on all the women because I'm French, and this is I'm a, I'm a living stereotype. Oh gosh, I, I, oh, oh, yeah. this is not the look I wanted to present. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was it. That was kind of like that was our humanizing moment for Ugo. It was you know he's an artist, but. The ladies love him, and he loves the ladies. And they, uh, had, to, but, they had to stuff it in in the interstitial because wow. he's gone. So they do. We don't, we don't play this up here. We, we don't get any of this footage. Yeah. Right. You only have so long to stuff it in when you're Ugo and you're going home <laughs> on the first episode. So that's a work of art. Colin, the next great artist. Uh, that's how they kicked off season two. Uh, the air date of this episode was October twelfth, uh, twenty eleven. I feel like that. That's right around the time that uh, wouldn't it be something. If that's the uh, the first time that we were doing a podcast, AJ, that, w- that would be something. It, it's not too far off, I'm sure. Do some re- yeah. do some research on that and uh, see if research, I could, yeah. see if I could figure that out. Um, any other highlights from season two of Work of Art? Um, I like I said, you know, I, I, I described some of the challenges already. I think you know when Sucklord does go home in a team challenge, it's one of those situations where you know he, he gets a little upset because again, it's like. When, when you lose on your own, you can kind of rationalize it a little more. And if when you lose as a result of what you think is just, well, I had to, I had to, you know, do less than normal because I had to like compromise. <laughs> you know, artists don't like yeah. compromise. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think generally speaking, it, it, it doesn't matter who wins a show like this. I, I find that through all the seasons, you, you, you get your characters that you like and your personalities that you like. And when it gets to the end, especially when you don't really know, you don't really get these judges and don't like these judges, you, you know that the person that you're really rooting for probably isn't going to win. And they're going to pick the one that you probably thought should have finished third of the final three. So uh, it's a fun competition. You know, I, I definitely think it's, this is a show you can jump around and jump in kind of like the Great British Baking Show where it's like, it doesn't really matter who wins. No. But if I want to have a nice, relaxing hour, I'll, I'll put it on and I'll just listen, listen to, uh, you know. Mel and Sue going, and now pay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that's probably what I take away from these shows as well, is that the winner does not matter. If you get enough weeks with one of your faves, then you get to see their portfolio, essentially, and then you get to follow their career moving forward. So, like, for me, Top Chef winner Tiffany Derry, no, she didn't win, but in my heart, she won, and she's in Texas, and I can go to a restaurant, and she's my favorite, you know, Top Chef person, because I've seen her play twice and i've seen her week to week you know and the kind of food she releases and you know and, and produces i guess and so for me she can be my winner and in this show you know if suck lord doesn't win but he impresses you from week to week he you're now a fan of him uh unlike a show like survivor where you know the goal is to win the money and if you don't win the money you did something wrong this is more like they didn't love what you did that week and you know that's fine but you still might have created a fan base in the meantime so you know for every um, Jay, there's a, a, a Austin Scarlett who just missed the mark, or you know something, or you know Ooh, something my. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Ugo's work was uh, Scarlett on Scarlett, right? It was definitely red on red. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the Keith, the 
the herring of it all, right? I think yeah. that's really that's really what did him in, honestly. Like it's a very it's like you can't out what did they say? They said um good artists steal great artists steal, good artists borrow, and it looks like you borrowed this. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But I'll take it. It sounded catchy. Is it better to steal? For art, apparently, I guess. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's what they told them. Put up somebody lot, else's picture. A lot of them steal the canvas because, you know, there's the street artists. They just, you know, put it wherever they want to go. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of stealing on. And in fact, you know, that, that's the other thing with a show like this. You know, Tooze, who is the graffiti artist, street artist, and, you know, he's eliminated. And then, you know, like, oh, guess what we're doing next week? You know, <laughs> hey, we're going we're gonna to do some street art. You know, <laughs> so like, there's just stuff like that that you, you just slap yourself on the head and you're like, really, guys? <laughs> it happens like that all the time. It like, does. on mm-hmm. Top Chef, you go home and then the next week is like, it's the pastry challenge. It's like, that guy's at home kicking and screaming Poor like, no, chef. no, 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 no. Yeah. Or even like Top Model or like, this week, we're doing the challenge where everyone has to pretend to be bald and the bald lady's at home like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> so, you know, um, it was it's one of those shows I enjoyed uh exploring it this time. Um I'm actually kind of interested to see how the rest of it goes. I at least want to see who wins. So I'm probably going to dabble a little bit in in a couple more episodes. I'll probably jump around, see uh some of my faves and how they go. But yeah, this was fun. Thank you AJ for suggesting yes. this. AJ, is the whole series on YouTube? Yes. Okay. Yes it is. All right, good check. Is season one on YouTube? I didn't season, see it. Season, yeah, season one is as well. And uh, mm. I, I just think the characters in season two are more interesting. Um, but, you know, th- like I said, the show's still the show. And if you if you accidentally put on season one, episode five, you probably won't notice that you didn't recognize anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the show's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, AJ, our first podcast was uh, November 4th, 2011. So about uh, three weeks or so after the premiere of uh, this episode on Bravo. Interesting. November 4th and then two weeks before the Suck Lord was eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> right was, around that. What was what was the topic of y'all's first podcast? Was it the uh, AJ Mass types? Yeah, uh, yeah, that was the that was the first mm-hmm. one that we did. Uh it was uh yeah, entitled uh author AJ Mass on how uh fantasy sports explains survivor. Uh actually did we do archetypes then? I think we t- I, I feel mean, like we, we talked we about the dis- book. We probably discussed it uh, yeah. as part of the book, so it's certainly I yeah, you know, I think really I read I read I read your book um when that I remember this was like one of the rare times that Nicole and I like uh went on a vacation by ourselves before we had kids and uh I read I read your book and then we I think we just talked about the book and then the next season maybe we did the full archetypes. That, that that's probably yeah, we probably like glossed over it but didn't do a hardcore uh draft and all that stuff. Yeah, no, those were those were good times the early days. Uh it was just Again, sometimes you can meet someone mm-hmm. over Twitter and the relationship works out. <laughs> it works out. It works out. Yeah. Uh, so, it, so this would have been South Pacific, right? Uh, yeah, South Pacific. And, yeah, it's all it's right. all coming together. And so you got. Oh well, go ahead, Rob. I was gonna say that I try to like uh, see if I could come up with some way to tie the podcast together from week to week on the RHAP Rewind now. AJ, in your book, you talked about how you were dealing blackjack to was it was it Alan Iverson? Alan Iverson, yeah. Who we talked about last week when one of the women from Beauty and the Geek was a dancer for the Sixers, and none of the geeks knew who the Sixers were. Yeah, I, I, I listened. It was exciting. I, I, I remember the show. Uh, at least I remembered the show existed. I, I know I watched it, but it, it mm-hmm. certainly didn't jump out of me. But yeah, no, that was that was an interesting. Uh, podcast there yeah no it's it's 
Yeah, it's it's just I also uh, in my book I I mean I interviewed Yao Man. I mean we're not doing that season. Mm -hmm. but <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, that was I mean I I I love the fact that I was able to get a lot of people for my first book who were people that I uh, admired or at least you know you know wanted to to reach out to and certainly being a huge Survivor fan, being able to interview Yao Man about exactly please explain to me the whole dreams thing was certainly something that I was, <laughs> I was excited to get to the bottom of. But uh, yeah, no. It's, uh, Wow, time flies. That's such a long time ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can tell you that uh, that everything is uh, coming together because uh, we will be talking about Survivor Fiji soon, the 28th best season of Survivor, according to the fans of Robinson Podcast. Well, well, well. So maybe I'll have yeah. to break out uh, how Fantasy Sports Explains the World again. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a fascinating take on someone who realized, uh, not at the time, but like in retrospect, you know, some people go for years and and and, and go like ah, I, I, did i make the right decision what if i had done this what i did this yeah man's like yeah i had no idea uh anything about dreams of situation because i was not a good social player and if i had <laughs> if i had known anything about his personal life i would not have made that deal mm -hmm. yeah. yeah screwed up got yeah. got yeah I, I would like to play a game yes okay so in honor of tying your podcast together from week to week and uh, you talking about uh, Survivor South Pacific this week, I would like to see if Rob can guess who falls into each archetype uh, for this week of the AJ Mass archetypes uh, South Survivor South Pacific. So, Rob, who was the fresh meat at hmm. the time of what the top thirteen and so Survivor? We did, uh, it's, it's up on the it's on the website. Is that what where you? I didn't say that. Okay, I didn't say that. Um, I just said who is the, the fresh meat. So I'm trying to remember. I guess so. Is, I guess this is it the top thirteen. So it's a question top of 13. Like, uh, who uh, would be there. I feel like uh, fresh meat is the person who doesn't seem like they know what they're doing, and I don't. Uh, have a good, a good feel for fresh meat. I will say, um, hmm. Come on, Rob. You got out of thir We got to do this 13 times. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, the fresh meat on the, on the season is. Come on. You just watched it. Uh, Edna. Ring the bell. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next. The ninja, Rob. Who is our oh, ninja? Who's the person that you don't even know is on the season? Um, see, I, this is going to come down to at what point did they do this? Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Whitney. Yes, Nashville Stars own Whitney Duncan. <laughs> yes. All right. Who is our cheerleader of this Dawn. season? Of course, the loose cannon. Let's go, Rob. Let's uh, got to be uh, Brandon Hans. Cochran, you screwed me over. Oh, it's Jim Rice. Oh, he was a loose yes. cannon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who would be our, our narcissist considering uh, present company has Ozzie. already been eliminated? No, oh, coach, that would be coach. Keith. That would be Keith, Keith. actually. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, would be that, was, that was a questionable call. <laughs> well, um, let, me hear, let me hear the rest. I don't remember. Well, them. <laughs> this is a very easy one. Who would your old reliable be? Uh, that Rancher Rick. Rancher Rick is the staple for old reliable. The he is the poster boy yes. for old reliable. So our marriage of convenience number two. So it's not Whitney and Keith, as you would think. Obviously, uh, so that's an inconvenient uh, marriage. What Sophie and Albert? Yeah, but who's one and two? Uh, Sophie's the alpha. Yes, of course. So that it's makes a, Albert our number two. And that so was a good call, AJ. 
Sophie became the, I mean, you know, pick that up for me. Sophie's the alpha. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a good call. Cause sometimes like that, uh, like whoever it is, like at that point in the season, like they don't always end up being a pair, but that was good. Yeah. Yeah. The alpha normally goes out first. Um, okay. Idiot savant. Who is that person? Hmm. Um, the person who, oh, is that Ozzy? Is that Ozzy? Who no, sent him to, yeah. the idiot savant is the person who's about to luck their way into a win, and that would be Brandon Hance, because for no some reason, we he was talked about as this huge threat, even though Brandon Hance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got that one wrong. Uh, our captain loophole. Uh, Jim Rice. With John Cochran standing right there? Rob, how dare you? Oh, it was Cochran? Yeah, Jim Rice is our is our is our uh, loose cannon. What do you mean? Who knows the game more? Wait, than Jim Rice else? is a loose cannon. Uh, that um, okay. Cochran, you screwed me over. Yeah. Um, oh, when you right. said Cochran, Ma- you screwed me over. I thought you said Cochran was the loose no, cannon. No, no, no. no Cochran yeah. can be a loose cannon if he tried. Uh, a burnt cannon. Mad scientist. <laughs> mad scientist. Then, um, hmm. This person comes up with interesting ways, crazy schemes, and stuff like that to win the game. Uh. Is that Ozzy? Yeah, I mean, getting yourself voted out yeah. to come back in. I watched that episode game, today. That was probably. wild. Yeah. yeah, and then, of course, our marriage of convenience won, Sophie G. Clark, and our diplomat, the person holding the cult all together, the Benjamin Coach Wade. Mm. Thank you, AJ Mass, for that. <laughs> yes. You are welcome. That's okay. not bad. I, 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 yeah, that's not bad. Some memorable calls there. Yeah. Like Dawn, Sorry. all-time cheerleader, uh, all Rick, time. and I mean, all-time... Between her, yeah, between her and Lisa Welchel. Like, this is a two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, nailed it. So, uh, well, and both of them ended up being in marriages, conveniences, I guess. Oh, not so much Lisa Welcho, but uh, definitely uh, Dawn and Cochran end up, I think, going on yeah. to be a marriage of convenience in a future season that was already yeah. talked about um, in Rob's rankings. Right. And by the way, uh, we'll have a Dawn interview on talking with T Bird coming up this week as I've watched both of her seasons back to back. Tie it all together, Rob. Tie all it all all questions together. for Dawn. Boom. Okay. Boom. Shalak, black, boom. <laughs> All right, uh, AJ. Uh, what's new for you these days? You you watching anything fun? Um, yeah. Besides I'm, The Walking uh, Dead, well, certainly in Syracuse just, basketball. Absolutely, the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, hey, let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. I don't think they're going to go much farther. But if they if they beat Houston, woohoo! They're going all the way. Uh, yeah, I am watching a lot of baseball. Getting ready for the season. Opening day is next Thursday. So certainly, you know. We got, the, we got the Lindor. We, yeah. You know, we know what's going on there. Uh, I am, of course, uh, continuing to guest on some wonderful podcasts here. We just did The Walking Dead with Chappelle and Jess. So certainly that that was a fun time. Uh, Beat My Guest is my trivia podcast. You can find that. Uh, we are just about to wrap up our championship game of a tournament that's been going on for about four months. Wow. Um, that should drop later this week. Uh we had our own like major tournament month, 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 and we're down to the final two. And that's going to be a fun little episode. Beat my guest. And I have started a new podcast with my friend, Kintad Svensgaard. Uh, and we are doing a full 323 episode rewatch. Chappelle's CBS. shaking his head that I don't even know what the show's going to be. Yeah. CBS's own criminal mind, criminal minds. Yes, indeed. And- it's the show that never ends, and AJ wants to talk about every episode, apparently for the next 10 years of his life. It's I'm fascinated it's, by this choice. It's six years and six months if we do one a week, and uh, Kintad's all in favor of it. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, the name of the podcast is Felonious Pundits. <laughs> uh, AJ, is that on Paramount Plus, the whole back catalog? 
Uh, no, seasons one through 12 are on Netflix. Seasons 13 through 15 are on Hulu. I don't know why. I, it might very well transfer over to Paramount Plus at some point. Yeah. Uh, has not yet. As for what else I'm watching, I'm not watching a whole bunch of new stuff. I want, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in all, all the reality shows, the RuPaul of it all. Uh, I did. I did. My wife and I recently did stream The Stand and I listened to you and Jessica talk about it. So what did you think? Fun. Did you like the, Did you like the stand? The new stand? It was it was horrible. Yeah, it was it was it was, it was that the episode eight was embarrassing. The episode eight Embarrass- or episode nine? Episode eight was embarrassingly bad. Nine nine was was bad, but episode eight was embarrassing. Wow. Um, yeah, no, no, no bueno at all. Uh, although I will recommend if you're a Stephen King fan, Doctor Sleep was a pretty good movie. Okay, it was a, a sequel to The Shining, so I, I actually thought that was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I, other than that, like I said, I'm just I'm just getting through. Okay. <laughs> And Chappelle, uh, what do you got going on in this week? Anything interesting? This week, my task is to talk AJ out of this ridiculous endeavor of covering all the episodes of CSI for the next six Criminal years minds. of his life. Criminal Minds, not CSI. It's even worse. Even worse. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I got to talk about this because this just seems absurd. No, I'm, I'm, I am excited to listen to the podcast. I will not be listening to all of them because it's forever. But definitely Criminal Minds is it's so bad and so good at the same time. So I know AJ is going to have a lot to say about it. So I'm very excited about that. Yes. Um, of course, you and I will be talking about uh, reality TV rewind next week. Uh, I haven't decided what we're going to do that week. Cause we're just kind of playing with the format right now. So that'll be fun. But um, so let then, us know your suggestions, people. Yeah. Hit us up. We're taking suggestions. Oh, but be very specific. Tell us which episode you want us yeah. to watch because. Where we want to see why you love these reality TV shows so much. And it doesn't just need to be the first episode. Let us know the best episode to talk about. Yeah, give us the episode that's going to encapsulate the show, you know, to its full. It's like if we had to like put a bow on it, this is, you know, the episode that you want to watch. So we're talking about that, of course, every week. Um, of course, like AJ said, Jess and I are covering The Walking Dead uh, with gritted teeth. A lot of times, but we're doing it. Uh, and then Fear the Walking Dead is upon us as well. It's coming up. It's coming around the corner. Wow. So there's that. A lot of a lot of the Walking Dead. Not so many zombies as we talked about this week. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. have to see what where that leads. Hey, I, uh, might, then, I might I might just drop by again. You never know. Oh yeah. Please please AJ please please come <laughs> by. Um, but yeah, so that's fun. And then I think the Bryce Isaiah and I are talking about uh the movie Set It Off. Um, for the Purple Fans podcast very soon and that will be airing in the next week or so. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that as well. And then, of course, Rob, for the people who do not listen to Rob and Akiva Need a podcast, you know, we just did oh, our... Yes. Uh, yes. The... Uh, it's universal praise almost for this yes, podcast. Everyone so loved it. So good. Everyone loved this podcast. Everyone agreed with every decision we made in our television show, mm-hmm. Bracket Part Two, uh, where I got to hang out with Rob, Akiva, and Alexander Chester, and we talked about the greatest TV shows of all times that we missed last time when they did the bracket two years ago. And like I said, universal praise, nothing to, to report. Yes. But a very fun listen. Yes. I think it was almost like we got to feel like what it's like to be a fantasy sports writer, AJ, where you, your mentions are nothing but AJ, thank you for uh, telling us to draft this player. This was such a great tip. You nailed it once again. Uh, so th- thank you so much for all of the great picks and advice. That sounds absolutely right. You certainly would never get anyone giving you a death threat because you voted their favorite quarterback as the top six quarterback in the league as opposed to the top five quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. True story. Yeah, Tony Romo. Tony Romo. 
Plus, we've got plenty of other great stuff going on on Rob as a podcast, in addition to all of the uh, Big Brother Canada coverage. Uh, we talked about the, uh, of course, uh, Survivor South Pacific uh, with uh, Beth Dixon and Brian Scally. Uh, and then on my 90 Day Fiance coverage with Puyo Zavakili, Reem Daly joined us. So uh, that was a lot of fun this week. Uh, check it all out. Make sure you subscribe to uh, Rob as a podcast and uh, the reality TV rewind in our own uh, reality TV re- or RJP rewind uh, podcast feed at robhasawebsite.com slash RHAP rewind. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.